Hello, and welcome to the Stop Devaluation Podcast. I'm your host and founder of the Stop Devaluation Movement, Melody Hilton. The heart of this movement is to see the value in all of humanity and live courageous lifestyles of using our power for good instead of harm. We can affect change by choosing validation over judgment, and I hope you'll take your place and make a positive impact in this world. It is so easy to judge a person's actions when you are unaware of their suffering. Donna Scott shares the hidden pain of sexual, physical, and verbal abuse from the age of two through 15 years old. These and other events immersed her into the lies of shame and a self-destructive lifestyle. Hear how the hidden things were brought to the light and how a healing journey began for this woman who has become a powerful generator of hope. Welcome everyone to the Stop Devaluation My Story interview. And today I have the honor to introduce you to a friend of mine, Donna Scott. Thank you, Donna, for joining me. Hello, Dr. Melody, and thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor to be a part. I thank you for your friendship. I thank you that you're partnering with me today to release a message that's going to bring courage to so many people's hearts. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Donna, could you share with us your stories of devaluation, dehumanization, hurt and pain, things that negatively affected your life and screamed lies into your thoughts? I would like to start with the molestation as a child from mm-hmm. the age two to 15. I was molested um, from a man and his brothers. It was ongoing for quite some time. Wow. That um, ended up, you know, causing me to become promiscuous at the age 14. I began to be sexually active, not because I wanted to be, but because I wanted to hurt every man Mm. um, that I could to pay back the men that I could not, which was a man and his three brothers. Wow. So I just allowed myself to go through that pretty much from 14 to about 17. And then, you know, it all came to a stop. But then it just really started back up again after I graduated I realized I still wasn't over the pain Mm. so the cycle started back up and at the age 18 after I graduated I ended up getting pregnant (laughs) and from that point I just felt like my life was ruined from once again a man I really you know thought that I was going to spend the rest of my life with but He was not someone I was going to spend the rest of my life with. So I got pregnant. I wanted to move on from that. Um, And then the cycle continued on. I got pregnant again, but it was from a different man. Um, The cycle was still moving on at that time. Then I got pregnant again from a different man. So it just, I ended up 
being um, a single parent with children by three different men trying to once again fulfill, um, not necessarily fulfill, but was hoping that it would put an end to my pain, which mm. it really did not. No. Because I needed to forgive what happened to me from the age two to 15 before I could move forward. So I was stuck for a little bit. And isn't it true, you know, when we're so hurting and there's been a cycle of things take place in our life, we don't know how to get out of that. Mm -hmm. How did that affect you being a single mom of three children and still hurting inside? Well, I was very embarrassed because it's something that I, I, I never wanted to happen because it was something that really happened in, you know, my bloodline. You know, it wasn't uncommon to see children by different men. And so for me, it was an embarrassment. I was disappointed in myself. I was afraid. There was so much uncertainty. Um, I became very suicidal during that time. Depression, you know, made me feel suicidal. I mean, it was just a dark, dark place from, you know, the age 18 until the age 26. With the third baby's father, I thought, well, I, I need to marry one of these baby's fathers. And I thought that that was going to be the way of breaking the shame and mm. the embarrassment by marrying one of them. My, my oldest daughter's father was murdered, so that obviously wasn't going to happen. Um, the other children's father, that relationship didn't work out. And then the third one, I figured, well, this has to work out. But it, it, it did not work out. Well, I came to the end of myself, I should say, at the age 26. And I just realized, you know, I can't continue to live like this and be like this. And would there be anybody, you know, at this point that would take me and my three children? I mean, why would they? I mean, they're by three different men. How are they going to look at me? You know, and if I do get married at the time, there was a lot of doubt and fear and uncertainty. But if I did get married, would he accept my children? Right. More so because they were by they were by three different men. Donna, how how were you received by people in your spheres of influence? How did that affect you? I heard things, you know, you can hear I heard the chatter, you know, but it was more so um, an outward expression more than I heard. I could hear the chatter, but I could see the faces where I was being shunned or if I did hear, I heard, you know, you know, that fast girl and it just wasn't, it, it was, um, it was very, very unpleasant. So all just, those things reinforced the shame that you already felt. Oh yeah. Yeah, it did. It, it did. It just, and I just felt, stuck again, you know, especially when I would, when I would hear or see if, if I would hear fast girl or see the, you know, the mocking outwardly, you could see the expression on faces, the mocking and, you know, just the shunning from that manner with the face expression. It didn't make it any better for me, at, you know, at that time. My goodness. Now, in the midst of all of this, because I know you today, and mm -hmm. you have such a heart uh, to impact the lives of so many people for good. So were there individuals 
that saw your values, saw your worth, saw your potential, and refused to judge you based upon your past? Yes. My mother and my grandmother, a lady um, by the name of Mrs. Dyson, she saw the value. So my mother, my grandmother, and Mrs. Dyson, um, they saw the value and would encourage me to tell me, you know, that I was a good mother oh. and um, basically that I was a good mother because I did not think I was a good mother. I didn't think I was measuring up because I had these three children and I was fairly young at the time. My yeah. first one was at 18. The next one's at 19. The next one comes at the age 27. And so for me, I did not think I was a good mother. I was very hard on myself. I didn't think I was, but you know, I heard from the three ladies that I mentioned that, you know, I was a good mother and I was doing a good job with my children, although I couldn't see it. And also people around me, people would say, oh, my goodness, you are such a good mother. Your children always look so nice. They're mm -hmm. so well mannered. You know, they're happy. You can tell that they're happy children by the way that, you know, they behave. So that started you know, a road, if I could say, to recovery for me and my own mind. And so I began to believe the truth coming. I believe the truth based upon what I was hearing others say, which really started that, that deep healing process within me. And it began to annihilate the lies that I, that I really believed about myself that was never true, right. that I wasn't a good mother. So how did you navigate through the sexual abuse? Well, after I stopped burying it, because, you know, at the age 23, I realized I can't, I can't, I can't keep this secret anymore. Mm. So I shared it with somebody one day, riding down a little country road. I just shared it with somebody. I said, I don't know you, you don't know me, but I'm going to share this with you. And I, I shared with her what happened. And at that point, I realized that it was so buried subconsciously, which was um, really the, the, um, one of the main reasons why I was very promiscuous and was known around the city as being promiscuous, mm -hmm. you know? And so I realized I can't, so I had to come to a place of, I need to get back to the root of this, you know, and the root was, I pretend it never happened. So I needed to expose that lie because it did happen. Because it did happen. Thirteen years. Someone. Oh my gosh! Yes. You went through something yes. for thirteen years, yes. and yes. to survive, you pushed all those memories down and told yourself it didn't happen. That is, I did. Blows your mind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. But when it when you began to release it, it began to bring healing. It did. It did. It because. The person I told it to didn't say anything. They did more listening to me, and that was healing. It was just my voice. My, I'm, I'm talking to this person, telling them, and yet I'm releasing this voice of pain mm -hmm. really to heal my heart mm -hmm. because all they did was listen. I could dump. They didn't judge. They just listened to what I had to say, and I began to share a lot of things at that point. It was more things even in addition to the molestation, the verbal abuse, the physical abuse, wow. you know what I mean? It was a lot more to that outside of the molestation. 
And so I just began to just put it out there, just release the voice of pain. And I was able to be healed in my heart. And that was a process, wasn't it? It was, it was a process. It did not, it did not happen overnight. You know, when I, you know, first brought that secret out at the age 23, as a matter of fact, it just seemed like it just got worse for me (laughs) because from 23 to 26, I still felt myself feeling the deep emotion of the, the, you know, of the, of what happened. It's like, okay, now I put it out there. Now I have to go back and, and it's like, I have to revisit this and, I didn't want to, but I knew I had to in order to be free. And you know what? I made up in my mind at the age 26, I gave my life to Christ. And at that point, I said, I want to be healed from my past. I didn't mm. know what I was saying. I didn't, I didn't even know what that looked like. But I knew in my heart of heart that being released from what happened, but I want to be free. I don't know what that all looks like. But I know that I know that I know this is going to help somebody else. And I'm, and also, I want to be free to share it. I don't want to be muzzled or shunned or anything like that. I want to be free to just put it out there. And that's when I began to start talking about it was right at the age 26. I was, I was, I was dumping and sharing at the age 23 to this person. But once I hit 26, it's like, I want to go beyond just sharing it with her. I want to, I want to begin to share it with others. And what a healing process that is when, where we've been victimized, we're going to say, you're not going to control me anymore. I'm going to take this. It's going to backfire on all that injustice and that abuse. And now I'm going to use this for good. And in that process, even every time we tell our story, like you are doing right now, it just brings us a deeper level of healing because we got rid of the stigma. We got rid of the shame. We got rid of the fear. And we find out very, very quickly that we were one of many. And so our voice needs to be heard. So right. tell me how you are generating value now. Well, now uh, I am currently a pastor since 2006. And then in 2007, I need to start a women's ministry. From that place, you know, there was a platform for me to release my voice, you know, and to to share, you know, my testimony of my past and believe it or not, during that time, there were more and more women from all ages, from young to as, let me see, to the ages of 50s and 60s, you know, that began to share when I would have these little, um, you know, women group meetings or conferences or seminars or retreats or what have you, you know, when I would be led to share what happened, I began to see women come up afterwards and say, you know, I never told anybody hearing what you said has caused me to bring out the secrets that I've had for decades. And so then I discovered, you know what? I know I'm on the right road with this, but I wanted to go a little bit deeper. I'm like, okay, I can share my story, which is fine. And then they're beginning to share their story. But I, I wanted to, I wanted to seek out, you know, a tool, you know, from somebody else that I could use as a teacher's guide and study. 
And I, 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 I came across this book by um, my dear friend, Dr. Melody. Oh. <laughs> Over the years, and I'm still using that same study today because I could relate to her voice. And reading that book, you know, even helped me to release my voice even more because of the freedom, just the, the story alone, you know, in the book. Just the freedom. It built such a platform. I just wanted to be able to reach everyone because we've all, you know, in some way have encountered injustice. That touches my heart because the things that I experience have become a tool to help bring healing to others. The fact is when we've been devalued, we don't want others to be devalued. Right. When we get to the other side of that, we want to see people be free from the things that brought shame and brought fear. You're taking that and you've done that. And the people you've invested into are being a voice to others who've experienced it. And so guess what? One by one, we can touch so many who've gone through physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, and even from our own, what we feel are failures or disappointments or the things that we personally have done that we go, oh, that was not wisdom. Guess what? We can overcome all those things too because when I can separate what I've done from who I am, we can truly see our value. And when we look at others, we can separate who they are, their intrinsic worth, even from some of their negative actions because most of our negative actions come from our own pain. Right. So right. Uh, as we close, Adana, is there anything that you would like to leave with the audience? What happens in our past does not define who we are in our future. Yes. What happened in our past that brought devalue, shame, embarrassment, you know, um, holding the secret for decades mm. for some, maybe less than that, does not define who we are in our future and how valuable we are today. Some may have had challenges with that, even really believing that about themselves, but knowing that you are enough. You, there's only one you yes, and you are enough. Be you, be excited about you, embrace you, love you for who you are. You are enough. I want to thank you for listening and encourage you to become a part of the Stop Devaluation Movement. Be sure to like and follow hashtag Stop Devaluation on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and visit StopDevaluation.com for more information and free resources. You can help spread the movement by sharing with others, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and most of all, by living a courageous lifestyle of using your power for good. Go out and value someone today. Your life matters, and you can make the world a better place. One word, one choice, one action of validation at a time.